You're listening to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. This episode is another in our regular series, taking an in-depth look at the SMFM pregnancy meeting. To find out more about the meeting, go to www.smfm.org or go to the AJP homepage at www.tima.com forward slash AJP. This is the American Journal of Perinatology joining from the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine 2018 Annual Pregnancy Meeting. And we are honored today to have the opportunity to interview Dr. Loic Santia, who had oral presentation number one, transamic acid for the prevention of postpartum hemorrhage after vaginal delivery, the TRAP trial. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. So we very much enjoyed your presentation this morning. I think it was very well received in the United States because there's a lot of focus on how do we prevent hemorrhage and how do we treat the third stage of labor and prevent postpartum hemorrhage in patients. And this is a very interesting intervention. Tell us a little bit about your approach in designing your trial. So it was uh, the idea, the first idea I've seen of uh, previous publications that TSA may have a key role to prevent PPH. Uh, they have some oldest publications in the after cesarean deliveries and the smallest after vaginal deliveries. But the publications were very old. They had a lot of methodological flaws. So there was a place to perform a large multi-center double-blind control trials in order to investigate the positions of the impact of TXA to prevent for all vaginal deliveries uh, the uh, postpartum hemorrhage. So the first idea was based on the previous publications and obviously uh, by the role of TXA in other contexts of obstetrics, in particular in trauma patients and in elective surgery. Okay, now just for the background of the listener, what is the mechanism understood for TXA in preventing postpartum hemorrhage? So TXA uh, is a, an antifibrinolytic agent, so it blocks the beginning of the fibrinolysis, and the fibrinolysis begins just after the delivery for uh, six hours about. And uh, we don't know very well how it works because some people said that there is an anti-inflammatory uh, effect, so uh, the real mechanisms is not elucidated today, but uh, what we, we've seen, what we have demonstrated, that it works. Okay, so now this was designed as a double-blind, randomized control trial. Tell me a little bit about your intervention arm versus your control arm in this case. So the management of the third stage of, manage, uh, of labor was identical in both arms. They respect the guidelines of the French National College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. That is almost the same that the American College or the Royal College of Obstetrics and, uh, and Gynecology. And so the management were identical for the, for the two arms. And uh, the study medications was manufactured in another site of the centers. So nobody mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the products that has been administrated uh, sure. for, for the woman. So the, the double-blind manner mm-hmm. was respect uh, of, of fully for, for all people. 
That's great. Now, in looking at your study population, you looked at just singleton pregnancies. Yeah. And they were 35 weeks or beyond at the time of delivery. Exactly. And were pregnancies both pharmacologically induced as well as spontaneous, or did you did you just use Yes, an induction of labor, the both. Okay, okay. And our populations, our characteristics of the populations was identical mm-hmm. that the general population that mm-hmm. we observed in France in national survey. So we had primipose in 50 percent of cases we have induction of labor we have previous cesarean section in mm-hmm. about seven uh, percent of cases we have previous pph in five percent of cases we have uh, instrumental deliveries in about 70 uh, percent of mm-hmm. cases and we have episiotomy in 25 percent of cases mm-hmm. so we have some baseline characteristics that are the general population so it was not a low population mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. was not uh, also a high risk population because we have excluded uh, multiple pregnancy we have excluded morbidity adherent placenta or placenta previa because that may the, the, mm-hmm. the prevalence is too low mm-hmm. and that may contribute to unbalanced arms uh, between sure. the between the two groups Sure. So in the third stage of labor, everyone received oxytocin, is that correct? Everyone. 99, 99%. And then in the intervention group, the randomized drug was given at two minutes. Is that two minutes post-delivery of the placenta or two minutes following delivery? Two minutes after the delivery. But first, the woman received oxytocin mm-hmm. and just after they received uh, the product and we have performed I didn't mention during my mm-hmm. presentation today but uh, we have uh, checked out the hemodynamic parameters in order mm-hmm. to see if there was a synergy a problem synergy mm-hmm. uh, between you know the oxytocin that has cardiovascular effect and the trisamic acid injections and we have no uh, differences between the two groups between okay. the control and the TXA group. And so you enrolled 4,079 women, and of those, 3,891 actually had a vaginal delivery. So tell me about how you conducted your analysis, given that some obviously would undergo cesarean delivery. We decided to randomize the patient when the provider seems that the vaginal delivery was very highly likely. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can have a problem, a prolapse, a cold mm-hmm. prolapse at the, mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the end of the, of the delivery that, that requires a cesarean section. So we have only, I think, uh, I do not remember, but I think less than 5% of women who were randomized and that finally had a cesarean section during, during the labor. So we perform not uh, in addition to treat analysis because mm-hmm. we have to include the woman who had a cesarean section. So we performed, a modif- it was plain, obviously, but we have to perform a modified intention mm-hmm. to treat analysis because okay. we have excluded the woman who had finally a cesarean section, but it was a very small uh, proportion of women. Excellent. So when looking at your primary outcome, you were looking at how many patients had a postpartum hemorrhage. Tell me about your definition used for postpartum hemorrhage. So the consensual definition of the vaginal delivery is uh, blood loss equal or above 500 millimeters. So we use this international consensus definitions. The main issue is nobody knows how to estimate the blood loss if we have to have visual examination or if you have to use tool to have an objectively um, estimations of blood loss. So in France, we routinely use um, a collector bag in order to assess the blood loss. I know that there is no evidence that mm-hmm. collector bag decrease the maternal morbidity mm-hmm. for the stage of management of labor. But in France, we have the culture to use a, a collector bag. And we have previously performed a, a randomized controlled trial in order to 
assess the impact of a control code fraction to, uh, in the incidence of PPH. It was a tracker study that has been published in the British Medical Journal. And in this trial, we uh, use the same primary outcome and um, the prevalence was 10%. So mm -hmm. we have based our sample size calculations for our study on these trials mm -hmm. that has demonstrated in our centers, in French centers, sure. that the incidence was 10%. And this mm -hmm. has been also published by other st international studies, mm -hmm. in particular in the New England Journal in South Africa. So in our studies, we have observed in the placebo group that the uh, incidence of PPH was 9.8%, so closely to the 10% expected. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have de uh, decided to use the definitions of postpartum hemorrhage, blood loss equal or above 500 millimeters measured with a graduate collector bag. Sure, so had a, a good objective measure of that blood loss, and that's, that's very helpful. So what was the finding? What did you find in those people who did receive, who were randomized to the one gram of transamic acid, and this was at two minutes into the third stage of labor? What did you find was the effect? We find that we observed a reduction, 25% reduction of our primary outcome, mm -hmm. but this reduction did not reach statistical significance because with the p-value was 7%, it was not right. below uh, 5%. But we have observed in other interesting secondary outcomes, okay. in particular the clinically significant PPH uh, uh, by the provider and the need for additional uterotonics for due to bleedings, we have observed a 25% reduction significant. Mm -hmm. So in these secondary outcomes that are a pragmatical uh, outcome, uh, we have found an effect of TXA and we have performed pre-specified subgroup analysis, mm -hmm. in particular in women who had uh, operative vaginal delivery and women who had an episiotomy. And in this women, we have observed a significant reduction of our primary outcome. And about uh, 20 women who had an operative vaginal delivery mm -hmm. or episiotomy would have to receive TXA in order to prevent one additional PPH. That's very helpful because obviously we can predict, we know the method of delivery that's going to take place. And if if we anticipated that, we could potentially have TXA available at the time of that delivery. Exactly. That's very interesting. I think one of the other take-home points I took from your presentation this morning was also in both groups, we had good data on the risk of venous thromboembolic event. This has always been something of a concern in the U.S. when we treat women. Now, these women, of course, were not undergoing massive activation of the fibrinolytic system as you would in a major postpartum hemorrhage, but you didn't see a difference between the two arms, is that correct? No, it's a very, very important key issue of this, um, of this trial, and, and as you mentioned, we have uh, assessed three months after delivery because we know that the risk of thromboembolism events increase until until three months after delivery, mm -hmm. and we have assessed adverse events three months after delivery through a telephone interview to have robust uh, data about the risk, and uh, we have shown no uh, differences between the two groups. Obviously, we don't have the power mm -hmm. to say that there is no increased risk, but it's reassuring that we observe no risk of thromboembolism events in the TXA group. Even maybe it's protective because we have only one mm -hmm. uh, thrombosis in the TXA group and we observe four uh, thrombosis in the placebo group. So mm -hmm. we are confident <coughs> in our data to say that we have no evidence to say 
that uh, TXA is harmful about the risk of thromboembolic events. And when we observed all the previous studies, and uh, in particular the use of TXA in other contexts with high-risk population of thromboembolic events, it has been never demonstrated that when we use TXA, we increase the risk of thromboembolic events. And it's very, very important because when we choose to use a medication to prevent a morbidity, it's very important that we are confident that the benefit-arm ratio sure. is in favor of uh, the prevention and not to increase rare but severe uh, mm-hmm. adverse events. So where do you see this being helpful in the future? Now that we have a really good study looking at prophylaxis, what would you do different if you were redesigning the trial at this point and how will you apply this information going forward? Oh, it's a very difficult point because on I think that I will leave the authorities to decide how mm-hmm. to use the XA mm-hmm. and to interpret the results of our trials. I think that today we have no definitive evidence to recommend TXA for all women who had vaginal delivery mm-hmm. because our uh, study was a negative study mm-hmm. and we failed to demonstrate a, a significant decrease in our primary outcome. Mm-hmm. However, in our subgroup analysis suggests that TXA should be considered, strongly considered in my opinion, mm-hmm. for women who had a poverty vaginal delivery or women who had an episiotomy. And some people told me that there was an effect in very interesting su- secondary outcomes, the need mm-hmm. for additional uterotonics, a clinically, a clinical significant PPH, and that the, all the data that we know about the effect of TSA in other contexts of postpartum hemorrhage, in mm-hmm. particular in trauma patient and in elective surgery, altogether, some people told me that they would like to propose TXA for all women after vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend this, uh, mm-hmm. this uh, propositions and this situation, but I understand that some teams may consider, may discuss with women about the best strategy about the use of TXA. That is very helpful. Do you think the time that TXA is administered is important in this case, like two minutes versus 10 minutes? I'm not sure, not because we have performed some PEM protocol populations mm-hmm. between women who had received TXA within two minutes and mm-hmm. women who had received TXA within 10 minutes. Sure. And we have seen no differences between the primary outcome and the secondary outcomes. So I think that if we do not have time, because it requires human resources mm-hmm. uh, to give TXA mm-hmm. in the two minutes after delivery, mm-hmm. and if we had 10 minutes, I think the effect is Identical. Identical. Thank you very much. I want to congratulate you on an excellent presentation. This was the number one uh, plenary presentation this morning from the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine. And we thank you for taking time with us today. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you. That was the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about the journal at www.tima.com forward slash AJP or check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes and join us next time.